If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The following is brought to you by the Leave It in the Ring Podcast Network. All boxing, no filter. Greetings and welcome to the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Welcome to a special edition of the Boxing Esquire Podcast and Fistionados Podcast, presented by The Ring and RingTV.com and distributed by the Leave It in the Ring Network. For this special episode, I'm joined by Fistionados host Evan Rutkowski to go over the recent coronavirus stimulus legislation set up to provide relief to those forced out of work by the COVID-19 pandemic. We are joined by two distinguished guests, labor attorney Walter Kane and accountant and financial planner Mike Alvini. Walter and Mike break down uh, how and when to apply for unemployment benefits, the Paycheck Protection Program loan, a.k.a. 7A loan, the COVID Disaster Relief loan, a.k.a. the 7B loan, as well as the qualifications for the uh, $1,200 stimulus check advances on uh, uh, tax returns that the government's sending out. So the main takeaway is apply, apply, apply. Definitely give this pod a good listen and contact your accountant or financial advisor to help you. If you don't have one, Walter and Mike leave their contact information at the end of the podcast. It's a really great, informative conversation. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to a combined edition of both the Fistionados podcast with Evan Rudkowski and the Boxing Esquire podcast with Kurt Emhoff, presented by The Ring and RingTV.com and distributed by the Leave It in the Ring Network. On this special episode, we discuss the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, or the CARES Act, um, enacted in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. It may open up uh, previously unavailable benefits to boxers and others in the boxing industry. We have a few special guests uh, on to uh, help answer questions about the CARES Act. We have uh, Walter Kane, who is a founding partner at the uh, labor and employment law firm of Kerry Kane, LLP, in New York City. Walter uh, also co-founded the Joint Association of Boxers, uh, JAB for short, which is uh, attempting to unionize the boxing industry, much needed, um, throughout the United States. Uh, he's also represented a number of top fighters, Robert Guerrero, Chad Dawson, uh, Saddam Ali, for example. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Walter. Welcome. Happy to be here. <laughs> we also have uh, Michael Alvini, uh, founder of Alvini & Associates, uh, PA, which specializes in financial and income tax planning in Wilmington, Delaware. Michael is a CPA and CFP who also has clients in the boxing industry, including Badu Jack, Virgil Ortiz, and Caleb Plant. Uh, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, so the CARES Act was passed in the, in the last week of March. Its purpose was to aid workers, businesses, and states in dealing with the economic crunch caused by the social distancing measures taken to stem the tide of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, as with nearly all other sports, the boxing industry was essentially shut down by the pandemic and many of its participants out of work, without income. 
Um, traditionally, boxers uh, in these situations were deemed uh, independent contractors and thus ineligible to receive unemployment compensation. The CARES Act purports to change that, so let's start there. Um, are independent contractors, uh, such as boxers, eligible to receive uh, pandemic unemployment assistance, a.k.a. unemployment benefits under the CARES Act? I guess we'll, we'll go to Walter first on this one. Yeah. Yes. Boxes, I think, are, are in, well, they're independent contractors, so therefore they're eligible. Um, traditionally, unemployment hasn't been uh, include hasn't included independent contractors because of the pandemic and because I think there's so many uh, the gig economy and there's just so much independent contractor uh, employees out there that the government has decided that you know they need to be uh, dealt with. They want them to stay home. They want they want people to uh, to not be in the street and uh, that includes uh, people in the gig economy uh, and. People who are independent contractors, actors, uh, you know, uh, Uber drivers and boxers uh, fall into that category. Right. So I guess real basic question here, but just, you know, I mean, for for maybe fighters or whoever who's who's never, you know, uh, applied for unemployment benefits, like just how do you go about uh, applying for these uh, unemployment benefits? Well, unemployment is uh, a state run issue with the federal government, but each state has its own rules. So my advice would be to go to your state's website. Um, you know, usually your state.gov is, it will get you there and, you know, go then just fill out the application for, uh, unemployment benefits. So it's the, the levels of benefits are different. The applications may be a little bit different, but they're, they should be somewhat coordinated and, and they're trying to, uh, although I think they're having a tough time because uh, the numbers are so dramatic, you know, 15 million people uh, applying for unemployment insurance. Uh, but generally, you have to go to your state and uh, and apply that way. Right, right. Yeah, I've I've actually heard that you know sites are crashing and and so on. So you know maybe maybe the best time to do it is like late at night or early in the morning so that you can actually uh, <laughs> have a have a shot at it. But I guess. Uh, I guess address uh, this next question to Mike. Um, for boxers in particular who who might fight for different promoters and and may not get like a 1099 from all of them. I know that's that's been the case. You know, in in, in my experience at times, um, what documentation would they need to include when when applying for the benefits? Yeah, so interesting question. And just like uh, Walter just alluded to, you know, it's a state-run issue, so every state is a little bit different. Um, and may require different documentation. My thought is, you know, because this is a, a truly unique time and you don't, you, you've never really seen gig workers and self-employed and independent contractors applying for unemployment, my thought would be 1099s, tax returns with a Schedule C, uh, in some cases, partnership K-1s, uh, any type of documentation showing income could not hurt to have. Um, I would think tax returns would be the best. Tax return. I mean, so, go ahead. So, yeah. Michael, follow, yeah, uh, following up on that, because we want to help out fighters here, but there's a lot of other people in the industry who who work as independent contractors and rely on boxing events to make their living. Uh, it, it, if you're an independent contractor who's either mostly or solely relying on income from consistent boxing events, like 
what's the best way to do this? Like, should, can you, cause I know that you can apply for loans for small companies or if you have your own LLC or something like that, is it still unemployment or, or are there other ways to do it? Now that is an excellent question. So the real question is whether or not you want to apply for unemployment or the payroll protection program, which was rolled out under the CARES Act. Um, and to get into the payroll protection program a little bit, that is basically a loan funded by the Small Business Administration through your banker, um, and it's calculated based on income and or payroll, where if you use those funds to pay yourself and or other workers that you hire, um, also in addition, rent, mortgage payments, utilities, if you use the funds on items like that, you actually don't have to pay the loan back. So a portion or all of that loan could be forgiven. And what ends up happening is you have a choice between getting unemployment or, and we'll call it the PPP for now. Um, You'll have a choice between one of those two programs, but you can't have both. I would say for a fighter, uh, generally, unemployment would be the best unless they're really in that top tier of earners. Um, And I'll explain why. With the payroll protection program, each employee or independent contractor is, ca- is capped at 100000 as far as their salary is concerned. And when calculating the forgivable amount, it ends up being a percentage of that. So if you have someone that's in the, um, in the lower tier, you know, they're, and for example, let's say you have a fighter who cleared fifty grand last year. You know, their payroll protection amount would only be about $10,000. That's roughly what they would qualify for in forgivable grants. Now, applying for unemployment, since the federal government's adding $600 a week to whatever you qualify for through your state, and it can last, um, and, and I want to say it, it can last as long as 39 weeks, that number can often outweigh anything you could get through the grant program. So the, the decision is definitely based on how much income you have and how you're structured. Now, if you're a higher level earner and you, and you have perhaps formed an LLC, made an S corporation election, um, you know, I certainly have fighters who put their families on their payroll. So you've got, you know, if you have a situation where you have a fighter, the fighter's wife and fighter's children on the payroll, and you have the chance to take that 100,000 multiplied several times over, then the payroll protection program becomes very attractive because you get the ability to have a rather large forgivable loan sent to you by the federal government. Great. Wow. Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, so, you it's know, definitely a number crunch. So I think part, one of the, the answers to that, but I think the beginning of that question was if you don't have a 1099, and I, I do defer to Michael on the uh, on the tax issue, right. generally looking for your income. And I think, and the second piece of that original question was, you know, other people associated with the boxing uh, industry. And I think everything we're saying uh, pretty much applies. Or a cut man, you know, if you're in that flow and that's how you're earning your income, you're an independent contractor under the law, right? So, so I think, you know, all of these things are universal answers for, the, for, for that subset of people. Right, yeah, right. for that subset, yeah, clearly if you're applying for unemployment, you know, again, the, the states will provide guidance on the documentation that's needed. If you didn't get a 1099, your best bet in almost every instance would be your tax return because your tax return is going to show your net income from that 
from that particular gig. Now, keep in mind, even if you didn't receive a 1099, you're required by law to report that income on your tax return. Um, you know, if you have situations where that income wasn't reported, it could come back to bite you in the unemployment process. Right. I was, was going to ask, like, if you haven't filed a tax return in the last two years, I mean, can, can you still claim benefits? Yeah, my my advice would be to file one and file it pretty quickly. Gotcha. Because ultimately, you have to substantiate that income somehow. And, you know, the best way to substantiate it, of course, is a tax return because it's a legal document. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. They're looking to see you know, what your income was. And so if you can still file your tax, file it and then file for your unemployment. Do them both. Yep. Right now, it, like the, the level of unemployment benefits that they get, though, it, that also varies by state. Is, is that correct? I mean, e- either of you guys can, can respond. Uh, this is Walter. I'll take that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, you know, New York and New Jersey, for example, you know, uh, are different, both how you calculate it and, and the maximum amounts. Uh, New York's maximum is 504 and New Jersey's is a couple hundred dollars more. So... Uh, the good, the the thing that is universal is that in the you know the pandemic unemployment that the federal government is, is kicking in at this point is six hundred dollars a week across the board. So, um, you know, you tax that on top of whatever your state uh, allocation would be, and and like I said, it's run by uh, both the federal government and the states participate in unemployment, but each state is allowed to have their own maximums, minimums, and, um, you know, how they calculate it. Is it half? Uh, is it, you know, some percentage of, of what you earn? Uh, the other piece that's kind of ubiquitous across uh, the, the federal government has said is, you know, you're going to get that for the uh, $600 until the end of July. So um, it's like, and unemployment has been extended in New York, and I think most states from 26 weeks to 39 weeks. And that's also part of this legislation. Got it. Uh, and, and, and with a quick, I got a quick follow-up to that. Is it, um, if, if you're doing your, ta- if you're sending in your taxes, um, and I think I, I heard this applied to the $1,200 payment per person. Does it matter what year? Like if you had, if you, you know, because if, especially if you're a fighter, you might've earned, a lot more based on one significant fight in 2018 than 2019. Like, you know, does it matter what year uh, your tax return is that you you submit? Yes. If you're talking about the $1,200 stimulus package where Mm -hmm. it's a one-time, it's a one-time $1,200. If you're married, it's 2,400 and the check tax on $500 per child under 17 that you claim on your tax return. Uh, The answer is yes, it does matter. Uh, for individuals, anyone making less than seventy-five thousand dollars a year will get the full amount. If you make under ninety-nine thousand, you'll get a reduced amount, but you'll get something. Uh, in general, for every hundred bucks that you earn over seventy-five thousand, your payment's going to drop by five dollars until you hit ninety-nine thousand, and it ends up being zero. If you're married, you hey. just double those amounts. So one hundred and fifty k, up to one hundred and fifty k, you'll receive the entire stimulus package. And it phases out all the way up to 198,000. Now, based on which year you filed, it's important to point this out because I don't think a lot of people know this. These checks are actually an advance 
of a credit you'll be claiming on your 2020 tax return. So the which year you filed is more important for timing than anything else. So let's say you had a great year in 2018 and you made more than the legal limit per se, and in 2019 you had a little bit less income. You'd want to file your 2019 ASAP so you could get the money into your hands faster. But ultimately, 2020 probably isn't going to look that good based on the way things are going. So you're going to be entitled to that money, but you probably wouldn't be able to get it until you file your 2020 taxes in 2021 if it's going off of the 2018 return. So if you haven't filed 2019, to summarize, they're going to go based on your 2018 income. If you file 2019, it's going to be based on that. Ultimately, the credit is going to be claimed on your 2020 tax return, and this is an advance of that credit. Right, right. That that's great. I mean, and and just to just to clarify, we're, we're, this is this is the one time payment, the twelve hundred bucks, the one time payment, the kind of stimulus payment. This is separate and apart from from any unemployment benefits, right? Yes. I mean, it's this correct. Is, and and, yeah, correct. and even following up on that, would, would it matter for unemployment? So it's kind of a weird situation because right, unemployment, you want to show more income, I'm guessing, right? And, yeah. But for this part, you want to show less income. Yeah, and and again it's going to be based on your 2020 income ultimately. So in that same example, okay. I just used yeah, in that same example, I just used, let's flip the, uh, let's flip the script a little bit and say that you had a bad year in 2018 and a great year in 2019. And let's say somehow you have a great year in 2020. Let's say you fought in January and you made a million bucks. You know, your 2019, if you filed that in hopes of getting the, um, you know, the advance of the credit, you'd get the check. But ultimately, because your 2020 income was higher, you'd have to pay it back when you file your tax return. So ultimately, it's based on what you earn in 2020 as far as whether or not you're entitled to it. When you would receive a check is more based on 2018 or 19. Got it. Got it. I got and it. I believe that check is just supposed to show up in your in your account if you file. Right. That's uh, and the government just going to send you the check if they have a. Uh, if you have a bank account and you filed your taxes, yep. uh, is that right, Michael? If you've ever used, if you've ever used direct deposit for your tax refund and they have that bank account on file, you will get it directly deposited. Yes. When can they? I think they're saying mid. Just I was going to say, uh, like April is the, uh, is the is is what they're saying. Hopefully, you know some of these other things, like we said, the. Uh, Unemployment and, and and the loan programs, you know, they seem to be, you know, overwhelmed. And hopefully, because this is just a twelve hundred dollar, you know, deposit into people's accounts, there won't be the kind of red tape that's involved in those. Uh, you know, pro the processing won't be as difficult, and people will get it when the government says they're going to get it. So right now, they're saying mid-April, which yeah. I guess is next week. Right. Right. So yeah, so we'll that's see. What we're hoping. And <laughs> so well okay i guess uh one more here uh what what, what if uh what if a fighter can't make or or anyone in the boxing industry if they can't make payments on their rent or, or their mortgage is there anything in the bill or anything enacted by states to to help a system that you guys know of well um Governor Cuomo here in New York has uh, put a hold on evictions, you know, so for, I think, three months. Um, and I don't know what other states have done. There's nothing in the bill uh, that I know of that um, deals with 
rents or mortgage payments. Um, but I know that there's a lot of, you know, and there's many, many people <laughs> who are in that yeah, predicament, whether they're right. small businesses or households uh, that just will not be able to make those payments. So uh, hopefully there'll be some guidance on that, on that front uh, shortly. Yeah, my advice in those situations, it's always best to try to work something out with the lender or the landlord. Um, I agree with Walter. As far as uh, rents are concerned and um, evictions, it's really a local issue. So it depends on what is done in each municipality. Uh, With mortgages, if your mortgage is backed by Fannie or Freddie, you can actually go up to a year without making a payment and your loan will be considered in forbearance. Um, Advice-wise, I tell anyone who can afford to continue to make the payments to do it, even if they qualify for the forbearance, because you're going to owe those payments at some point, and interest is still going to accrue on the loan if you're not making the payments. Uh, But if it is a a federally-backed loan, like a Fannie or a Freddie loan, you can go up to a year without making a payment. Got it. Got it. Go ahead, Evan. Yeah, so uh, what... If, if I know a lot of fighters and I, and I know a lot of other people in, in the, in the, in the sport, they have multiple streams of income. You know, maybe if you're a fighter, you're still working a day job or you're still, you know, you're training people on the side or something like that. Or, you know, if, if, if you are part of the cottage industry of boxing, you know, maybe, maybe you work in other entertainment stuff. Does that, does that matter? Does that factor into how you can either, uh, try to get a small business loan or try to get unemployment or, or is it just all viewed under one umbrella? Um, and I'm not even sure who to direct that question at. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can chime uh, in on a few aspects of it. Yeah, fine. Uh, I'll, I'll wait and pick it up after you. Yeah. I mean, you basically have three courses of action, you know, course of action. Number one is unemployment course of action number two is a loan from the SBA called a disaster loan. Uh, That's also known as the 7B loan. And then you have the payroll protection program, which is the 7A loan. Now, again, it varies widely by who you're dealing with and how they're structured as to which one is most advantageous for them. I won't chime in too much on unemployment because I feel like that's much more Walter's specialty area. But when it comes to uh, the SBA programs, Now, the disaster loan, I have encouraged everyone to apply for that. And if you have several businesses, you can apply for it for each business. And the reason I tell people to apply for that loan isn't necessarily to get the loan proceeds, but there's a $10,000 advance that's associated with that. And according to the SBA, you'll receive that $10,000 advance within 21 days of applying. Important to point out, even if you're declined for the loan, you get to keep the $10,000 and you don't have to pay it back. So it turns into a de facto grant. There is no reason not to apply for that loan, no matter which course of action you take. Now, when it comes to unemployment and the payroll protection program, you have to choose one of the two. And that definitely depends on your tax and financial situation as far as which one you choose. But everyone should apply for the 7B loan uh, to, you know, to go for the people are calling it the free $10,000, but yeah, to, to try to, to get that grant of $10,000 for each business. Well, that's a really important uh, distinction there. And I think, you know, for anyone who, who runs a small business, even if, so even if that business is just yourself, you can basically apply for that loan. Yes. Or that grant, mm-hmm. so to speak. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, there are very, very few restrictions. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not an accountant, but I agree with that that you can apply uh, for all those loans. On on the unemployment piece, you know, if this is your side a uh, side job, I don't think you can apply mm-hmm. approved unemployment if your main source of income is another job, and you know, you just happen to have a job these days uh, in a uh, you know critical industry where you're still working. Um, then I don't think you can uh, collect both that paycheck and an unemployment check. So Michael's probably be- right, and Michael is right, and, and your best course of action if you're running that small business would be to go to the loan portion of the program. Um, okay, so what about so and that goes for even if you're if you're a small business owner i think you touched on this earlier uh michael but if so if you're a small business owner is there a distinction between the ones who have employees i know you you listed the fighter example above but what if you're running a a public relations uh, firm or what if you're involved in the production of of fights on tv um, and you and you hire out other independent contractors or you have some other employees does that matter at all in this distinction as well so interesting. Interestingly enough, for the seven B, uh, which we'll refer to, we're, we're going to refer to that one as the ten K. So for the ten K, mm-hmm. the only distinction that matters is that you have less than five hundred employees, and as long as that's the case, you generally qualify to apply and receive that grant. On the payroll protection program, it sounds like what you're asking is, let's say you have an individual who's um, basically got several ten ninety nine contractors on their quote unquote payroll. Um, and they don't have an actual W-2 payroll, and I think you're asking if their loan amount will be based on what they're paying those contractors. My experience so far, um, I had seen conflicting answers for a long time, but I've actually been doing applications for these, and different banks interpret it differently, but my experience so far is that you do not count the 1099s that you're paying out, but that those contractors can apply for their own assistance. Um, So, yeah, you're, you're not applying for the payroll protection program based on money that you're 1099 to others, only payroll. Wow, that's interesting. Okay. Um, and, you know, what's, like, you know, I, I'm not even sure who to address this question to, but what, is, like, if you just have a job associated with the industry, um you know, like what, what if you're a judge or a ref or something like that? Uh, I, I mean, I don't even know how they would structure. I, I'm guessing they would have their own LLC or something like that. So that probably answers that question. But uh, what if they don't? What, what, how would you make up that? Does it fall under, I guess, Walter, this is probably for you. Does it fall under that total income umbrella that you, you're just now, you're, if they keep their day job, they're not going to be filing for unemployment and they just lose that income? Well, yeah, here you have a, a very different uh, um, kind of separation. So you have referees, judges, all of those folks work for the state. So they're public okay. employees, right? So they're, so they're again, they, depending on the state's rules, some of them may not be laid off. You know, they may, the, the government, the state government decides, no, we want to keep, we're going to keep sending these folks che- uh, checks or we're going to, uh, you know, we don't want to not, you know, throw them on the unemployment rolls or they could, they could be eligible for employment or they might have special rules for state employees. So they're somewhat different than, 
you know, your private, you know, your, your marketers, your uh, cameramen, your people who do, you know, who work for HBO or who work for those, uh, not anymore, excuse me, but, you know, who work traditionally <laughs> for, the, for the broadcast companies uh, or work for promoters. Uh, work for managers those folks would fall under the same uh, kind of rules as as the boxers would for the issue of unemployment and are they entitled to it the 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 judges referees and 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 you know you're, we often forget that we have a uh, you know a good sizable portion of public employees who who participate in this industry in critical roles mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting because uh, one of the common discussions right now is is how could you do a fight with no crowd? And when you start to add up all the the people between state commission people and and you know various sorts of independent contractors and employees of each broadcaster, uh, like what is sort of the minimum number of people to get? you know, into a room so that you can actually, even without a crowd, be broadcasting a, a, a fight on TV. And it's like a surprisingly high number of people. Yeah. Even if, if you know, <laughs> even if there were like, <laughs> even if the state allowed a hundred people, you would still probably be having to shuttle in different groups at different times to keep it uh, below a hundred. So it is a shocking uh, number of people. Now, some of them, um, you know, are are working at larger companies, and some of them are independent contractors. Um, you know, what? I guess another question I had: um, What if is is there is this a moment? Is, are there any provisions in this if you're trying to start a new company, whether you're a fighter or um, another, you know, independent contractor? Like, are there opportunities here that that wouldn't have existed in the past? to, you know, start something fresh, start a new company where you could receive any kind of government assistance uh, in order to do that? And I'm guessing, Michael, that's I mean, probably more for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially with regard to the payroll protection program and the 7B loans, uh, you have to have been in existence with some sort of payroll as of February 15th. So if you weren't already in existence, there's no winding back the clock, so to speak, Um from an unemployment perspective, I'm not really sure what the answer would be, but for either of the government programs, uh, you had to be in existence as of February 15th. Okay, and there's nothing new for startups or anything like that, at least as of now in this phase where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, you could you could technically still start a business, and you can definitely get funding through your bank or through the SBA. Uh, they are still doing small business loans, although. You know, and, and one thing we haven't touched on in the whole process is how long things might take. Um, you know, I would imagine those types of loans would definitely be on the back burner because the SBA is having trouble enough processing the amount of applications they're getting. Uh, as of yesterday, 70% of eligible small businesses in the U.S. had applied for the payroll protection loan, which is a staggering number. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And and the guidance for independent contractors was a little late. As a matter of fact, I think there's still today, and I don't know if Michael, I've looked on the internet today. Today there was supposed to be some more information <laughs> for independent contractors, and and I haven't been able to find it. And and it probably has to do with the fact that the government's so overwhelmed with those seventy percent of small businesses. I, I actually trying have to process a, loans for. I'll call it a little bit of a cheat code that I have on that one. 
uh, we were actually in the process of buying another firm. So we were, we were getting an SBA loan for that. And I have a loan officer at Live Oak Bank. So that particular loan officer is actually processing these loans for my clients right now. And they are processing for independent contractors and they're using a Schedule C um, and or K-1s. So if you're filing a tax return, that's really all they need as far as an independent contractor is concerned. And whatever you show as your net income on your Schedule C uh, or on your Schedule E, if you have a partnership, um, that's the number they're basing your loan off of or your grant off of. Got it. Got it. So, Evan, do you, do you, did you have any anything more, Evan? Yeah, I was actually, go, you know. Go ahead. Oh, well, um, this is sort of bigger picture that I've just sort of come up with as we're talking. But, you know, I think it's pretty realistic that in the boxing industry, we're not going to have fights for a little bit. But maybe come June, maybe end of June, maybe July, you know, more likely probably July and August we're going to see, we're going to start to see some of this stuff tick back up. Is there any advice either of you have for anyone working in the industry? I mean, obviously people want to get back to work, um, but are there any decisions that people are going to make now in terms of unemployment or uh, the 10 K, you know, seven B, I guess, I guess we'll just refer to it as the 10 K or any other type of small business loan. Um, that it, it, you know, assuming things do pick back up and pick back up at a pretty hectic pace, um, are there any steps people should be taking now in order to maximize the benefit in terms of the future? Because I know we've been talking about how uh, some of this stuff, if you end up having a good 2020, some of this stuff might uh, not be great for you in the future. Um, and I, I, I don't know if either of you have uh, want to start with, with that, but um, you know, we, we are facing probably a, a pretty busy fall coming up, and I, and I want to make sure people are prepared for that. Yeah, I mean, anybody that's anybody at all that received the 1099 last year should apply for the 7B slash 10K. There is no penalty for applying at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the worst they can say is no, and if they say no, you generally still get the 10K. So there's no reason not to do that. The real choice in everyone's situation is whether or not to go for unemployment, or go for the payroll protection program. And I guess the best example to use, let's say you're just a 1099 and you made $100,000 last year. Well, your payroll protection amount would be about $21,000. So the government's going to give you $21,000 that if you pay yourself with it, you don't have to pay back. You have to weigh that versus your potential unemployment benefits. Now, if you made 50000 instead of 100000 your payroll protection amount turns into about 10 grand. Your unemployment amount may be higher than that. So you have to make a distinction between the two and, and choose the one that's best for you. Um, obviously, the longer this thing goes on, the more attractive unemployment can look if you're in that type of boat. Um, but yeah, outside of anybody with family members on payroll and stuff like that, you really do have a decision to make and you should certainly you know, seek some guidance on it. Walter, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I just think more broadly, you know, that that if I had advice for for what fighters and others in the industry should do is just use this time to to explore all these options and to 
understand that you're a, you know, these are most of the fighters are young, right? They're, they're, they're in their twenties, most of them. And, you know, sometimes younger and, but they are part of the economy and they're an important part of other people's lives. They're connected to, right? When they didn't fight, uh, their trainers didn't get paid. Their cutmen didn't get paid. The, you know, uh, nutritionists and people that help them prepare aren't going to get paid and that, you know, and they're not going to get paid and that, you know, they need to, uh, you know, understand that they might be, they're a small business and they should be, you know, and, uh, you know, talking to an accountant and, you know, filing their taxes and doing all those things because, you know, uh, as we all know, you know, uh, you might not think it's important uh, in the beginning because you're not making much money. And then all of a sudden you get a big break and you make a lot of money and now you're playing catch up. So I think you're yep. better off using this time uh, to and, 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 you know, there are fighters who are training. You know, who had expenses for those fights who are now yep. going to be canceled and who, you know, have a people who they're obligated to. So I think that's what I would, you know, in the big picture, I would say they should be you know, using this time. But fighters, one thing about fighters and people in this industry in general is that they're patient. They know how to wait for their opportunity, most of them, right? They train for a long time. They, they put a lot of effort in uh, for one payoff at the end. So I think that if they use that mentality, to deal with this situation uh, and get themselves prepared for for their lives the way they do for a fight, I think that they they'll be benef- that'll benefit them greatly. And, and and in some ways, this little time out in their career could wind up you know being uh, a positive for them because it made them engage in a way they might not before. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent, Walter. Um, you know, I've I've run into it many times. Like I said, I've I've advised fighters that are just starting out all the way up to, you know, top tier championship level guys. And that's the number one trend I would see when dealing with especially with the younger fighters is, is that they just weren't even organized correctly. And if they were organized correctly, you know, in a situation like this, it would have actually prepared them to have their ducks in a row to claim some of the benefits they needed. So uh, I couldn't agree more. I think it's time for fighters to really, um, you know, hunker down and get some of this financial stuff taken care of. Yeah. And I think they should, you know, not everybody has all the answers and and they need to, you know, one thing about the other thing I think about, about fighters is that, uh, and people in the industry, they have respect for each other, even though they're opponents of each other, you know, they all have respect for each other. And I think because they know what they have to go through. And I think whether you were, you know, Floyd Mayweather or, you know, some guy who had three fights, I think Floyd Mayweather still respects, uh, there's a certain camaraderie camaraderie to to the to the game and then this is a good instance where people should be finding ways to come together and to help each other and fighters should be hey i know a good account hey i i read this hey i'm i'm forwarding you the link to this website hey i got my loan you know hey this is how i did it yeah, this is yeah. what i'm doing i got i got my unemployment i logged in at this time you know they need to they should be using this time and you know god willing they're they're, they're much better at utilizing social media than <laughs> Uh, you know, they can use that platform to, to help each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that's great advice. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's a really important message for anyone who makes their living off this industry to hear, I think, um, especially the fighters. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. I think they're often afraid to ask, you know, 
they're, they're young. Like I said, they're afraid to ask the yep. question because they don't know the answer. And, and the truth of the matter is nobody, you know, none of them know the answer. And so, you know, you, you just, I think they need to uh, use this time uh, productively. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we did, we did have one question from, from Twitter and, and, and hopefully, uh, you guys can can interpret this uh, or, or or know what they're getting at in in the question because it might not be completely clear. But they said the plain text of the law um, seems clear that payments to independent contractors should be included in payroll calculations that would be forgiven. But the Treasury guidance, I guess they they said it about a week ago, seems to cast doubt on that. Curious what they think. Not asking about the independent contractors themselves. I guess Michael. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement yeah, with the Treasury guidance there. Um, we've been applying for these loans, and you know it varies by bank, but most of the banks that I've applied through so far aren't allowing independent contractor payments out to be counted. Uh, like I said, the independent contractors themselves can apply for their own, um, but the bank, the private banks, are running the entire program, so you're basically at the mercy of the bank for the calculation. Um, when the Fed truly defines what that number should be, if the bank was on the more aggressive side and allowing you to, to complete that number, you might end up with um, some loan that isn't forgiven. So, you know, it's important to point out that we don't think that the independent contractor payments out count and the banks seem to agree. Gotcha. So, so which part of the act are, are we discussing here? This is, this is the, the loans to the, the small businesses? That's correct. That's the forgivable loan, the payroll protection program, which is you know definitely the more attractive option if you qualify for it. Got it. Got it. I had a question. I'm sorry. This is Walter. Michael, for Michael, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Uh, you're filling out those applications. Are there any special – a fighter or a person in the industry won't know the answer to this question. Here's a way to fill it out. You know, this is, this is something, you know, uh, that the, the questions that I found when I looked at it, it, they're not written for necessarily independent contractors. You have to kind of uh, answer so – you have to kind of think of your own answer for the question. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I would not have known that answer until last night. Um, you know, when some of the programs started to get rolled out, I've, I've been learning on the go, just like everybody else and really filling out the applications opened up my eyes to what was needed with the ones that are independent contractors. Generally they're asking for a tax return or they're asking for a schedule C or they're asking for a 1099. They're just asking for some documents. The entire process, no matter what bank you go through is online, um, you know, and, and I have that if you wanted to link anything uh, in the future, you know, offline, I could certainly post that somewhere if you'd like a link to that information. You know, I'd be happy to provide it so all the fighters could find it. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Absolutely. I think, Absolutely. I think that'd be really great. And actually, I have another question, too, that I just thought of while we're sitting here. If you're a foreign fighter who's fought on U.S. soil, would you qualify for any of this? Whew, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is a great question, <laughs> um, my guess I, is if you my if, if you're no, a foreign fighter who's no the, 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 that I can tell the 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 uh, the answer is no. Um, yeah. This, the because the questions on the on the uh, uh, is the is the United States a principal place of residence? You know. So I, if you if this isn't your residence, then you're not going to be uh, mm-hmm. eligible. 
if you're a fighter who, who, who who's here and, and legal a legal resident, I think that answer might be different. You can you can apply, but if you just came in here and fought, fought, but you're not a citizen of the United States, these are these are programs for citizens of the United States. Yeah, and Walter, I actually have a question for you too on the unemployment side, um, just because I've experienced this through some of my guys applying. What I've been reading lately. Uh, basically says that all the states are having a lot of difficulty introducing the new class of workers into their system. So if you try to apply right now and you're an independent contractor, most states still haven't updated the application process to include them, so they're getting denied. Um, everything I'm reading says that that the unemployment would be retroactive to January 27th and then could go 39 weeks from there. Are they be- are these guys best served to wait until the states actually get that part of the program you know, ironed out and then apply since it's retroactive anyway, just be patient or are they better off just trying to apply over and over? Well, I, I, I think that, uh, again, it's going to depend on your circumstances. When you're talking about unemployment, you know, usually that there's an urgency to that, right? I mean, these, yeah. you know, look at our own industry. These, you know, there's a, some fighters who, who, who make, you know, as we know, make tremendous amount of money and, but the vast majority are, you know, struggling to get along. So it's, I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't ever advise somebody not to get money that might be sitting there for you, particularly since you may need it to feed your kids, to feed yourself, to pay your rent, which is what most of these people, most of the bar trainers and others in the industry are looking for. So I would err on the side of, you know, persist and, and yeah. you know, if you have to do it a thousand times, you know, you're used to fight, you know, you're not in the gym right now, so... <laughs> You know, yeah. take, put the hours in and do what you have to do to get, get that money for yourself. Great advice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Evan, Evan, do you have any more questions or? Uh, I, I think, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm good. And I, I hope this is, uh, I mean, do, do you have any others uh, from yourself, Kurt? Because uh, I, I, I think we've covered a lot of ground here. Yeah, absolutely. I I think we're good. How about you guys? Is there any other uh, just kind of general advice uh, you want to give to to people in the boxing industry? I mean, ultimately, yeah, to to agree with Walter, you know, apply, apply, apply. I think, you know, being aggressive and trying to get involved in the programs is very important. Um, You know, I'm certainly open to helping if anybody wants to help. I work with plenty of fighters that we don't charge fees to. I mean, I'm a huge boxing fan. It's something I've been involved in for a long time. Uh, the, the application process is not that difficult, um, you know, for someone who's used to looking at these things. So if people do need help, we're willing to provide it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. yeah, and I would say the same for myself. You know, you can get to my law firm if you want to ask a question. We have a website. You can, you know, contact us and you know i'm happy to provide the the advice for for people but like uh, michael just said apply you know don't don't shy away from it and again if there's a question on the form that you feel you know you don't know the answer to you know put it out there to other people because they're probably struggling with the same issues and and yes. you know ask on your your twitter or your providers and say, hey, what, what do you know about this question? Uh, did you talk to anybody? How did you answer it? Definitely. Well, listen, l- let, me, uh, let me get the contacts for both of you guys. If, you know, if, if people want to contact you, uh, Mike, uh, how, how should they reach out to you? Uh, email is great. 
Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot Alvini, A-L-V-I-N-I at AlviniAssociates.com. I'm also on Instagram at M-J-Alvini. Okay, Walter? Yeah, um, my email is W. Kane, well, that's my name, W. Kane, at Carrie Kane, C-A-R-Y-K-A-N-E dot com. So that's the name of the law firm, W. Kane at Carrie Kane dot com. I'm happy to take any questions that uh, fighters or other, in the, other people in the industry have. And to the degree I know, I'll give them the answer. Otherwise, help them find the right answer. Right, right. So, uh, Evan, anything else? No, this is uh, you know this is uh, this has been a learning experience for me, Kurt, and and I hope uh, I hope it can be helpful to people in the industry. You know, so uh, <laughs> it, it, it's been a fun one. It's been a fun one. Absolutely, yeah. Def- definitely want to thank you guys, Mike and Walter, for taking the time uh, to to speak and, and share your wisdom on the CARES Act. And uh, and uh, good luck, and I hope you're doing well uh, during this time, man. Okay, thank Thanks you very much. Us. Same to you. Stay safe, everybody. All right, guys. You take, too. Take care. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. And that will do it for this special edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast and Fistionato's podcast presented by The Ring and RingTV.com and distributed by the Leave It in the Ring Network. I'd like to thank Evan Rutkowski, whose idea it was to have this discussion uh, for co-hosting with me. Uh, huge thanks to Walter Kane and Mike Alvini for taking the time out to explain the benefits associated with the CARES Act. We'll have their contact info and helpful links attached to the companion piece to this podcast on ringtv.com. They'll also feature quotes and background on the interview with Walter and Mike. If you like this podcast, please leave a comment or a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audioboom, SoundCloud, or wherever you access the Boxing Esquire and Fistinato's podcast. Really appreciate it as it helps new listeners find the podcast. And until next time, so long, everybody. Looking for?